Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and every single week, here's what we do. We gather together, and we talk about these moments that we really wish someone would have given us a heads up on. You know those times when something happens, or you enter into a new season, or something changes or shifts, and you're like, okay, no one else ever told me that they thought this, felt this, did this, so it must just be me. And then we end up isolating ourselves within that, right? We don't want to tell anyone because it, no one told us, so it must not be normal. I don't, I don't believe we were ever called to live that way. I believe we were called to tell our stories, and this is a space just for that. And I believe that even more so for parenting. All right, so let's take it way back. I'm going to take it back to high school. You know, I was never much of a camp person. I didn't like sleeping in bunks. I didn't care for the eating at specific times. I didn't like all the rules that honestly were just all over the place. None of them were consistent, right? And it just depended on who your counselor was. And I didn't like that. Give me consistency over anything else. But really, it just, it didn't make sense to compete in competitions because you know every camp is full of these weird competitions that I was never that great at. Well, except for a neck toss, I was very good at a neck toss, but because I've spent much of my life absurdly concerned about what people think or how someone might feel, I ended up saying yes when our FCA sponsor asked if anyone wanted to go to camp that year. So there I was alongside hundreds of other athletes, honestly, just wishing I could go home. And every morning started the same way with 30 minutes to yourself to study scripture or pray or just sit quietly. And so I would walk out of our bunk, I would try to find a quiet place away from everyone else. And I usually ended up on a curb, which now looking back is random. And I don't know if that's all that safe. How about they have a rule about that? Am I right? But I would sit on this curb of a just not widely used road within the camp. And for six days, I read the same passage, Psalm 139. See, I discovered it like a year before that. And as a junior in high school, looking ahead to my senior year, it was this passage that brought me the most comfort in these seasons of change, in these seasons where I felt like, what am I doing here? In moments of anxiety or stress or pressure or sadness, I always just referred back to Psalm 139. And every time, a different part of the passage stuck out to me. Let's read it. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. There's so much more to this passage and so much more to bring out and comfort to be had. But those last verses have been my safety net in my current season of being a mom. The part where it said, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's what I refer back to on the days I feel like I'm causing like irreversible lifelong damage through my parenting techniques on the days I've yelled so loud my throat hurts or lost my patience after hearing mom, mom, mommy for the 179th time or when I don't have a plan for dinner or when we're just so busy we're singing, we're swinging through drive throughs I remember these words because it says God authored every single one of my days since that's true. That means he authored me as a mom. He authored every day with my kids. So specifically, Henley and Hagen's names were included in the story that he's been scripting for me. He designed me to be their mom from the beginning. While he was knitting me together, he knew what every single day would hold before they even existed, before they were a thought in my mind. He already knew about them and he knew what my days would be full of. That would lead me to them every day before them shaped me to be with them. I was made for them. Even when I feel like a big old stinking heap of less than mediocre. I find a whole lot of comfort in those words and in the words of other parents that are floating in the same boat as me, really wanting to raise kids that look like Jesus, but feeling the exhaustion that comes with the pressure. Kayla Craig, she gets it too. You're going to hear her story today, but it was her ability to connect words to the weariness through beautiful prayers meant specifically for parents. Her heart to connect our stories together and the reality of grace required for even the most mundane days, that is what made me want to reach out to her. She's easy to talk to, and she's just one of those people whose heart is so obvious from the very beginning. You know what I mean? And by the end... I think you're going to want to be her friend too. Yeah. Are you are you a winter person? Are you excited for the cold or do you thrive? Well, I don't love it because it starts to get dark, you know, so easily. Gosh, so isn't fast, that the truth? It's, just, it's cold and, you know, we're not going anywhere. But with the pandemic, because we have a couple kids that are very immunocompromised, we've basically just been home all the time anyway. So we're like, well, we'll just not change much. But um, we moved into this big old house that kind of looks like the home alone house. Oh, yeah. And yes. so I'm actually super excited for it to snow and to decorate for Christmas. And I, yeah. Will this be your first Christmas in that house? Yes. Oh, that's always so fun. But also kind of stressful because you're like, we moved from a smaller house to a bigger house last year. And I was like, I don't have enough Christmas decor. Like I'm going to have to go buy more, right? (laughs) And it's expensive. I've been doing, I like to go thrifting and go to some estate sales and I love vintage stuff. So I've been kind of adding to my collection throughout the summer and into the fall. And my husband's like, 
more? Really? Yes, and I'm like, more. you don't understand. Yes. Like, Why would I not? Christmas trees is too many. Don't I answer mean, that question. You need one for every room. It only makes sense. Like <laughs> when I started doing Christmas trees in my kids' rooms, my husband was like, "We've, uh, we've gone too far. We have, yeah, <laughs> we have, we have crossed some sort of line. I don't know what it is, but we've gone too. We actually, when my husband and I got married, my favorite thing to do. You know, when you first get married, most people like you just you're poor. You don't have. You're just starting right, out in right. jobs. You don't have yeah. anything. So we would go to estate sales to get yes. all of our furniture. But it always does it ever make you like a little sad that you're walking into someone's home? I know, and you're essentially just picking over their stuff. I know. I I like to go to this place that collects everything and then does like multiple estate sales at once in like a building, like kind of. So it's a little bit of that intimacy is gone. It's not in their home anymore. It's you know in its own little little kind of store almost so that kind of helps that's so much easier yeah. sometimes I yes. would just walk into these homes and I'm like I feel is this what's going to happen to all my stuff all my Christmas decorations that I buy yeah. are they just going to be out on like a folding table yeah <laughs> like I 25 know. cents for this ornament I just I don't know so you through the pandemic you said you kind of had to stay more so around the house how did you all fare through that yeah. mentally and spiritually yeah, what was that like it's it's hard. It's really hard. You know, our pediatrician was like, it's not really a good idea for your kids, even the ones that aren't immunocompromised because they can bring it home. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully, I've had the the privilege of being getting to be home and my husband has been working remotely too. So I feel grateful, but it, it has been hard. Like, I I, yes. like, well, we only I had to do it for a short season yeah. and I was like, yeah. I'm going to lose my mind if I stay yeah. in this house any it's longer. Hard. How has yeah. your husband done working from home with the kids? Has there been any like yeah. chaotic moments? Oh, there's chaotic moments like literally 24 seven. But <laughs> <laughs> one of the good things about moving was that we kind of each have our own workspace um, because our other home didn't really allow for that. And so being able to have like our kind of own office spaces, even though it seems like everybody just ends up in the living room and in the kitchen, you know what I mean? No matter what. Well, you didn't know that you really needed your own office space until the pandemic hit in your house. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we had no need for it. And then we actually lived across the street from my in-laws when it first started happening. And so my husband would just go across the street to work and leave me with the kids to work with the kids. Right. So (laughs) at the time I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old and Uh, I, there was one point I would just open, I would work at the kitchen table and just open the kitchen door out to the garage to like the driveway. And I would just like go play in the driveway. And I was on a like Zoom call meeting and all of a sudden my my husband walks in with my three-year-old and I was like, oh, are you here for lunch? He was like, no, he was just out in the street, just playing in the street. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was like, okay, not my most shining moment as a mother, but you know, we're trying. This is going great. We're all trying over here, Kayla, you know, but hey, share a little bit about your family, kind of what, how many kids you have, their ages, names, what, what a normal weekend looks like for you guys yeah I have four children between the ages of five and (laughs) eleven so so we have an eleven-year-old an eight-year-old and then two five-year-olds so when you say it's chaotic you meant it is oh yes yes and we have two dogs and you know just but they keep things very interesting they keep me on my toes and and you know being home together for so long they're 
it hasn't been easy, but there are a lot of really beautiful moments that I would have missed out on, mm-hmm. you know, like getting to sit with my son as he's working on his personal narrative and getting to like hear them talk to their classmates as they're doing virtual school and just getting these glimpses into their hearts and into their interests and into their like lives has mm. been really sweet. And my daughter, Eliza, who we have three boys and then Eliza and Eliza has Down syndrome and has some other physical and developmental disabilities. And she's incredible. Like Mm. she's just such a light in our lives. But you know, caring for her also is like another level of, of, you know, things to do every day. So Mm -hmm. you know, she has a feeding tube in her tummy. She is in a wheelchair, you know, she She's still working on potty training. So there's just, it's a very full, full life mm-hmm. for us yeah. together. Yeah. What would you say is one of the biggest things you've learned in caring for Eliza and kind of navigating what that looks like? And, you know, like you said, it changes probably daily what that looks like. Yeah. What are just some things maybe you've learned through that? Well, I feel like I really had to rely on, on God through this is that like, I needed to learn to relinquish control. Mm -hmm. I needed to learn to loosen my grip and to have open hands Mm -hmm. and to be present in the right now instead of always looking so far ahead and wondering what's tomorrow going to look like? What what is next week going to look like? What is next month, year, you know, Mm -hmm. decade? Because that's so unhealthy. It doesn't help anything. And so I think my husband and I really had to walk through the fire of that, of trying to figure out how to live open-handed because there is such a beauty in, in the present together. And it doesn't take away from the hard, but I think it is like, you know, relying on God throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's relieving as well, right? right. So I have a, a friend of mine who she said that she physically starts her day before she gets out of bed, just in prayer with God, and she opens her hands. She just sits there with mm. her hands open as just mm-hmm. a way to, to mark the start of her day. And so I've I've started doing that because I also, I think all of us to a degree can be like, yeah, we struggle with control. Even if you think yeah. you're like fly by the seat of your pants, loosey goosey, chances are good. You want some things to go a certain way, right? And so yeah. that whole concept, it, there's some relief to be found in that, to just yes. sit with your hands open and say, God, whatever you want to put in, I'm grateful for and whatever you want to take away I'm grateful for so I love that you brought that up even with parenting I was actually we just got back from the beach Uh, we went to the beach for my kids fall break and a friend of mine was actually staying at the same place and so we were taking a walk on the beach and she has an older daughter who's just going through some hard stuff and she and I have talked about this open hands and she said Callie it's completely different when you put your kids in those open hands right you put a situation or a circumstance or whatever but when you put your kids in those open hands Mm -hmm. it it changes everything. And so I wonder when you talk about open hands, what that experience has been like for you, if you, you know, when it comes to your kids specifically, just because you write so beautifully about parenting and about how to relate to your kids. But when it comes to putting them in open hands, what has that looked like for you? Oh my goodness. I think, I think you're so right. It changes all the time. And it's this constant reminder that we think we're in control, but that's an illusion. Like mm-hmm. we're never, you know, we don't have that power, you know, to do all the things and hold all the things. And so when you kind of have this almost like palms up mentality, then it's, I'm going to trust that God is God and that mm-hmm. I am not. 
and that we get the beauty of of doing life together and we are going to do our very best with what we have in, in every single day but know that ultimately we can we love God and we love others and a lot of other things can fall mm-hmm. away you know mm-hmm. and and it's not a band-aid that we put on those true moments of, of grief and of loss and of worry and anxiety all those things but it's just like a reorienting of of our minds and our mm-hmm. hearts. Sure. And I I love that phrase reorienting. You know, like it's mm-hmm. almost like okay, I've lost control of this. I got to start over. You know, like mm-hmm. I got I got to take it back mm-hmm. to the basics. But I think one of my favorite things in and being able to read so much of what you write is how patient you are with your words. It seems like you've put so much thought into what you're going to share and that it's accurate mm-hmm. and truthful and that it makes you better for having read it. Mm-hmm. And just that ability to put words to feelings that we don't always know how to describe, but what's just some of your background that led you to writing the way you do? Because I know it takes time to kind of find your voice and to figure out what you want to be saying, but what has shaped you the most within that? My my background is in journalism. Mm. So I I studied magazine journalism is what my degree is in. Wow. That's so specific, Kayla. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And then also had like minors in English and sociology. So I've always been very interested in telling a truthful story, mm. right? And and realizing that I am not the center. Like I can speak out of my own experiences, but there's so much more that other people have experienced yes. and the way they view the world and the way they enter into the world. And so knowing that I always wanted to, you know, lean into that curiosity and talk to other people, you know, like what is, what is true in your life? You know, what are you going through? And then just like, you know, share the mic and and then be able to write out of that. You know, Mm -hmm. like I think so much of my background is just trying to show up and tell the truth. Yeah. And so then when I started, you know, exploring my own uh, faith, I, I had to like, how can I be the most honest that I can? How can I show up and tell the truth in my prayers? How can I show up and tell mm. the truth in my actual life? And so, you know, I started in, in journalism. I have worked at newspapers and magazines and websites and I'm freelanced. And that kind of led, that was, then it was like the growth of blogging. Yeah. So then I, you know, kind of cut my teeth into my personal experiences where it's not talking about somebody else and reporting on it, but it's, it's me and kind of processing my life and my faith yeah. through typing it out, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out as I go. And then that led to podcasting. And uh, yeah, so it's just kind of like continually changing storytelling methods and, and exploration. What do you think keeps most people from sharing their stories? So I, I so much believe in the power of stories and that everyone has something beneficial mm-hmm. to say for someone who's coming behind them. We get stuck in these corners. I say it all the time where we think we're the only one who has ever walked through something because no one else right. has told us about it. No one else has said, yeah. no, I've done that too. What do you think, and I'm sure it's a lot of things, but in your experience in, in hearing other people's stories and sharing them, what what becomes one of the biggest obstacles? Well, I think about Brene Brown's work a lot and her study of shame. Mm-hmm. And I think so much, you know, we start to tell ourselves these stories that I don't matter. This experience doesn't matter. Like nobody cares, you know, like just starting like 
because life can be so isolating. And if we don't share, it just makes us more and more and more isolated. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like a lot of thinking, well, well, they can share or they're good at it Mm -hmm. or they, they, you know, maybe have come out of it in a way that I might not have. So does that make me, you know, not faithful or does that, is is there something wrong with me? And so I think, you know, and, and my faith is that, the gospel frees us of of shame. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have if we we wait for the perfect moment to share our stories like when we have everything just so, we'll never share anything. And yep. so we have to be okay with with being vulnerable and pushing through that mm-hmm. and just showing up and knowing not everyone is going to receive it the way you want it to be received. Not yep. everyone is going to understand, but but you know, it's that same idea of, you know, when we're raising our children, we can also keep our, our palms up and, and our hands open into our own stories and, yeah. and share freely um, because there might be one person that really needs to hear it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's not really ours to keep, you know, the Sunday school song, we got to let our light shine. <laughs> well, and if you're a part of your story could impact somebody, but if mm-hmm. you're never sharing it or talking through it or finding the community to talk about it. I just think there's so much power in the openness and instead of hiding things. And it also loses a lot of its shame and scariness when you bring it to the light. Yeah. Right. I've just noticed when I get, as my friends tell me, I can get my feelings about things and I just like, (laughs) I I hide in them. Right. And I'm like, no one wants to hear about this because it is so stupid. It's so ridiculous that people are just, they're not, they're going to think of me differently. But then I say it out loud, Kayla, and I'm like, okay, that's really not as bad as I thought it was like that. That doesn't, that doesn't feel as bad as I had painted it to be before. And I think there's so many of those moments where you're like, I think this is going to be one way, but it's different. And now that it's different, I don't know what to do with it. And probably one of the biggest one is parenting, right? I mean, when it comes to shaping the faith of my kids, especially as they're getting older and they're starting to understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, what it means to, to trust him with your life, the pressure builds a little bit, you know, like, Oh oh gosh, like I could really mess this up. You know, like (laughs) I might, I might get this wrong, but you write these prayers over your kids and how to, how to walk through these hard seasons in a way that's open enough for your kids to understand what real faith looks like. But when you started writing about it and writing these prayers, what, what did starting it look like? Like what was heavy on your heart that you were like, I want to write these and share these because I think they could be helpful. I think people can find themselves in this. Yeah. I started an account on Instagram called Liturgies for Parents Mm -hmm. at the beginning of 2020. Really? Kayla, I don't think I realized it was that young. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. And I I wrote it, I started writing it because I needed the prayers for myself. Sure. And I needed these like anchor points because we do put so much pressure on ourselves as parents, like pressure to pray the right thing, say the right thing, do the right thing. And trying to hold all of this in, like how in the world do we talk to our kids about what's going on in the world when we barely can figure it out ourselves, you know? It's so much. And and yet we're still showing up day to day, you know, moms and dads changing diapers and like picking up the Legos, you know, like all Mm -hmm. of the things. And and where is God in all of it? And up up one night praying for my four kids and realizing just they're, they're all so different and they all have, they're all different ages and they have different joys and struggles and so much going on in their lives. And I just was praying. I just, I just want them 
to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love their neighbor as themselves. Like that is like the core of my Mm -hmm. prayers. And I was just thinking in these moments when I feel like I don't have any words and I'm a writer, but sometimes I just don't have any words to put to these moments in our lives. How beautiful would it be to borrow somebody else's Mm -hmm. and to know that there are other people that have gone through it and are praying. And so I grabbed the notes app on my phone and I just started kind of brainstorming all the different times of our lives in our parenting, you know, whether it's the beautiful ordinary moments or it's true moments of, of grief or lament or themes that we find ourselves praying or holidays and created an account on Instagram where I just posted some short prayers that it was really just like for my, for my heart, you know, like I needed to process through a lot of this. And then I thought maybe, maybe somebody else will connect with it. And they did. And then, yeah, it eventually got to create a whole book um, of them, which is such a gift. Could you have ever imagined, and I already know the answer is going to be no, but just the fact that you can create a whole book off of just starting an Instagram account. You know, like you're (laughs) just like, I, and I think that's so interesting what God calls us to and how much it fits the gifting that he gives us. What made you brave enough to be like, I'm going to try this? Well, I think it's interesting for, for me. I didn't, I didn't have this like, you know, large sense of calling. Like I didn't in the moment, it just felt like it was something that was on, you know, on my heart and soul, you know? And so I just was like. I didn't know, you know, because there are plenty of things that we, we do and it doesn't gain traction or, you know what I mean? And so like, I just felt like something that I should be faithful to and just take the, take the one small next step and Mm -hmm. see and, and be so open handed with it, you know? And so through that, I just, I don't know. It just feels like it was the right the right moment. Like we had no idea this global pandemic was coming down the pipeline. I was writing it for weary parents thinking about how hard, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, you know, thinking about how hard it already was and how weary we all were. And then nobody knew that like we were going to live through something that we had never lived through before and try to figure out how to parent through all of that. And so as I was writing, I really just tried to go back to telling the truth, you know, mm-hmm. to just being honest. And sometimes it's scary and vulnerable to be honest because it's not always comfortable. Yeah. You know, like I, I wrote a prayer about what it was like to talk to my to my son about racism. And, uh-huh. and my son was adopted and he is black. And, you know, like, gosh, that's it's very vulnerable and very hard mm-hmm. to, to write a prayer about in some ways, but it's asking God, even in, even in this, you are here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I think it's just an act of vulnerability and yeah. act of empathy mm-hmm. of, of talking with other people, you know, throughout my life and, and seeing like, what are the prayers that you would pray if you had the words mm-hmm. and yeah. trying to, to be faithful in um, stewarding that through, yeah. through what I've share. Yeah. Sure. I remember watching when the storming of the Capitol was happening and I was working mm. from home that day and my daughter was sitting next to me and I was just watching it and crying. Cause I just couldn't, 
I think we all were like, what is happening? How did we how did we get here? And my daughter was watching it with me. And I thought, Oh, I need to turn this off. Like I need to turn something else on for her. But on the flip side, I was like, No, let's leave it on, you know, like, just Mm. let's sit, let's watch this and let her ask and let her try to understand with you what's going on. And so even Mm. when you talk about trying to speak to your son about racism, it feels like right now, these things are just getting brought to the forefront. Yeah, more so than ever yeah. before. And parents are having to figure out how to navigate these conversations instead of just hiding your kids from it and what that balance kind of looks like, which I think is why these prayers are even that much more important is you don't have to know what to say at some at some point, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to step in and guide those words as well. And, mm. and that comes through in some of these prayers that you've been able to write. But When you look back on your parenting, I mean, even that great example with your son, what do you wish someone would have told you before you became a parent, right? I think this is one of like, all of parenting is one of the biggest no one told me moments of like, I did not know I was going to (laughs) be doing this, right? So when you look back, is there anything that you're like, man, I really wish I would have had a heads up on this? Oh, so much. Like, how much time do you have? (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, You know, I think, I think gentleness to be Mm -hmm. gentle with yourself and in that an outpouring of gentleness on your children and just this whispering and this reminder that God is a parent that loves you and is tender toward you and is full of mercy and grace and like as a parent you have your your inner child right and so you're deserving of of that love and that care and from that you can you can be a connected parent to your child, mm-hmm. providing, you know, that structure and that nurture. And then also, gosh, I would I would tell myself when I was first becoming a parent is that it's a continual outpouring. It's a continual journey and you will get things wrong. And in those moments, you apologize and you figure out how to pivot and to make better Mm -hmm. decisions next time and that there's so much pressure that you're going to feel like you need to have on your shoulders Mm -hmm. you know there's so much weight that is that you think is yours to hold and it's not yeah 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 I I think about um and I'm sure you've experienced this with your four but that every kid needs to be parent differently So, oh, yes, right, because they have such different personalities. And I thought it was like a one size fits all kind of deal, you know, (laughs) like, hey, we have some rules, you all follow the rules. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think that that was probably one of the biggest when I realized that, you know, my oldest has the softest heart, and she's Mm -hmm. not going to respond to a raised voice or Mm -hmm. to like a grounding or sitting in the corner, she's going to respond to you get down in front of her, you look her in the eyes and you let her tell you how she feels. And Mm. then you tell her how you feel like that's what she wants. And then my youngest, I mean, he's just like, he only responds to a raised voice. He doesn't, it's like, (laughs) you might as well not be talking if you're not yelling. And that's, (laughs) but I don't think I realized it really is each kid needs something different from you. But that really rocked my world, I will say. But I, one of the things that I didn't think would be so hard is praying over my children. So even I feel like I'm not even praying the right thing sometimes, you know, Mm. like I'm obviously praying over their salvation and I want that. And I pray that they're leaders, but I'm like, I don't know if that's accurate because I don't, you know, leading might look different for them. And I have it in my head the way I want them to look. And it just feels 
overwhelming at times. And the more parents that I talk to, the more I find agreement with that. Why do you think that does feel so overwhelming sometimes? It's so true. And it's such a common experience, I think, with us as parents, because it's it's just like what I was talking about, that pressure that we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think when we can let that go and remember that God already knows, you know, scripture says the, the spirit intercedes, even if we just have those wordless groans. Mm-hmm. So anything that we pray is not going to come as a surprise to God. Mm-hmm. Like God is already there. God, God created our children. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. God is not a genie in a bottle that we're going to like, if we pray the right thing, then something will happen. That's mm-hmm. not the very mm-hmm. nature yes. of, of, our trying God. And so we can let that pressure go. And we don't have to say the right thing. We don't have to, if we just pray this, this amount of times, or if we get enough people around us to pray, you know, like prayer is such a mystery. But what we do know is that there's no like perfect formula or perfect string of words or perfect, like you pray this at this time, this many times, you know, like yes. if only, if only that would, if we get the combination, so right. What do we unlock? <laughs> yeah. Like what's going right. to happen? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think we just, we love our kids desperately and we want, we want so much for them and we want to, to parent them and to love them. And I think just showing up and being honest in those prayers mm-hmm. and, you know, letting our whole lives be a prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and when we take a walk with our kids being like, oh my goodness, look at this tree. God made this tree. Mm-hmm. And, and oh my goodness, look at the sun coming down as it's starting to set. And just seeing God in all things and remembering that God is making all things new mm-hmm. and that we get to be part of that cosmic love story. Like, Mm -hmm. that's enough. We don't have to hold all of that. We can let that go. Mm -hmm. We have enough to hold. Yes. (laughs) And we don't have to put those pressures of of being a perfect praying parent on on our shoulder. We can let that go. (laughs) That is a relief because listen, sometimes all I know to pray is like, help them. I don't know. I just like, help me, help them, help us all. We don't know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might have been like the biggest prayer through the pandemic at those stay at home orders and trying to work from home. Like, I don't know how to do any of this. And I think it was almost comforting though, Kayla, that literally no one knew how to do any of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And well, I think that's what we need to remember is even though it might seem pe- like people now have it together, like nobody knows what they're doing. Like we're all just, yes. we're, we're, we're improv in our best. <laughs> well, and every kid is so dadgum different. I remember so talking to a first time mom just several weeks ago and I was like, you're going to read a lot about what you should do when you bring your baby home mm. and you're going to read about these milestones and you're going to see pictures of someone who had a baby around the same time as you and their baby's going to be doing something different. It's because they are all going to act completely different than the next one. It's just, it always works that way. Because you remember those, I downloaded the what to expect when you're expecting Oh, yes, yeah. Right? And so I'm reading on like the message boards and this person's like, my kid is sitting up. And then like my first is just still rolling around on the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're behind. We're developmentally behind. We don't know what we're doing. (laughs) I'm really trying to hold on to that, especially going through school. 
because mm-hmm. my first one left school. She she gets it quickly. And then I'm looking at my second one and he hasn't started school yet. And I'm just like, oh, buddy, we're going to this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But to the parents who just feel like they're getting more wrong than right. Are there any prayers that you have written or prayers that maybe you say over and over again or words that come out that maybe you can speak over them oh, if they're listening goodness. right now? Yes. Well, there. So my book is called To Light Their Way. And it's a collection of prayers and liturgies for parents, kind of for those of us that are living right now oh, yes. in this time. You know what I mean? And there is, it's split into different sections and it's really just a a book that you can kind of grab, flip through, take what you need and and Mm -hmm. go, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's you're doing it in the morning or at night or it's like on lunch break and you have one minute. And so there is a prayer in there that's for the parenting journey and it's for when you've gotten it wrong. Mm -hmm. And, And gosh, it's just sometimes that's the prayer we need to pray, right? But also... There's, there, it's just like, I just hope that this book is like an offering of grace mm-hmm. to parents. And there's a whole section in the back that are breath prayers. Mm. And it's very simple, like inhale, pray a line, exhale, pray a line. Mm-hmm. And all of those come inspired from scripture and the scripture is there. And it's just like a moment to reorient your heart, mind, body, and soul back yes. to knowing um, that you're beloved, mm-hmm. that, that, that God loves you and that you are here in this moment, you know, like unclench your jaw, yes. release, release the shoulders, like just simply breathe, like be still and know that God is God, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and because there it's hard. Life is hard. Parenting is hard. And so we have to we have to remember to take care of ourselves because, you know, it's so cliche, but the cliche comes from something that I think is really real. Like you can't pour from an empty cup mm-hmm. and, and just letting um, the love of God fill you through what I hope is an offering and to light their way. That's what I love so much, though, about the way that you've written it is it's not something you have to sit down and read in order. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as, especially as parents, we don't really have time for that. I mean, you can just sit down and grab what you need for a second yes. or stand up and do it or have it in your car. Like you can take it for a second. And it's that intentionality that shifts your perspective in those moments. Right. Right. Yes. So, and yes. so much I feel like prayer transforms us. Mm-hmm. It's less of this cause and effect, you know, like I'm going to say this demand and then God, you're going to fulfill it but it's more like yes it's like I'm transforming our own you know Mm. hearts and it's so fun you don't even realize that's happening a lot of times until you look back like yes you're like okay I feel like a different person it's even with the conversation we started this whole thing talking about open hands and how that shifts your perspective so quickly and how often you have to do it over and over and over. It's not a, a one and done kind of scenario. Yep. Ever. Yeah. You know, like we <laughs> if always. If only. <laughs> yes, if only. But Kayla, we end every episode with one question and it is sometimes it stumps people. So I can't wait to hear okay. what you have. What are you so happy that someone did tell you about? So we have four kids in five years through, oh, wow. um, through birth and adoption. Yes. And so it was a really intense time of early parenting I would say me. so good grief uh, <laughs> that is I'm trying to think yeah. like mathematically how you pulled all of that off I mean so yes. okay so we, we break it down for me we yes two five-year-olds we adopted my daughter Eliza who I talked about before when I was four months pregnant okay Abram so 
yeah, I just feel like that's that living with open hands. You never yes. know what's going to happen and you might have. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my. You want to talk it. about yeah. just like getting thrown in and being told, yes. hey, figure it out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, hearing hearing parents that had gone before me say things like, I wish I had slowed, slowed down. Yeah. I wish I had been in the moment more. I wish I hadn't been so focused on, you know, keeping the house perfect mm-hmm. or doing X, Y, and Z that I, I that I was just, you know, present yeah. with them in this stage because it wasn't going to last forever. Yes. And, you know, and they're talking about this as they're seeing their kids, you know, start their own families exactly. or their own careers or whatever it is. And so, it's hard because in that moment you're like, I just like don't want to change another diaper and I just want to sleep for like a few hours in a row. You know? Yeah. But I think I do. I do think about that a little bit now that my my kids are kind of past that baby stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, it's true. I look at the pictures on my phone and I'm like, they're not they're not babies anymore. Yes. And, and I'm glad that parents who had gone before me and mothers who had gone before me like did kind of tell me that Mm -hmm. helped me take more pictures and and be give myself you know margin to not have everything quote-unquote perfect yeah just be with them it it might be one of my favorite things that you said right at the beginning when you talked about being at home during the pandemic and you get to see just the joy of seeing how your kids interact with other kids like you wouldn't have gotten to see that if they were in school or how you know like seeing them learn something new and watching it click I mean even that is a perspective shift because I loved that I mean it was so stressful Mm -hmm. trying to help a five-year-old figure out how to navigate you know like online school for kindergarten but it was so much fun watching her like interact with her teacher I mean it was stuff I wouldn't have gotten right. to see yeah, otherwise it's and, so sad. it's so funny and it's so sweet yes I, I was in the kitchen before um jumping on this call and my kindergartner he he ran in gave me a hug and was just like you give good hugs and then runs back oh, and I'm I like love oh it. I would have missed that I love and it. someday I will remember that and yep. I'll be glad that they're they're back with their peers yep. and adventuring but they're really sweet just that too. slowing down mentality I mean yes. even because you're not going to get the time to slow down as far right. like like you want to but yeah being present in that moment and like you said it's so cliche to say but most cliches are based in truth and rooted in (laughs) truth you just that's why you hear them so much (laughs) because it's so accurate but Kayla before I let you go let let us know where we can find you when your book your book's on pre-order right now correct it it is available is it I thought we were still pre-ordering that's so great yes it's available now to light their way a collection of prayers and liturgies for parents and you can grab it on Amazon you can go to my website, KaylaCraig.com. You can grab it, you know, Barnes and Noble, Christian Book, anywhere that you find your books. I um really, really grateful for my publisher mm-hmm. that made it into a um kind of a keepsake type book. Oh, you know, I something that. that sturdy. Like I, I'm a tangible person. Like ebooks have their place, but give me paper, you yeah. know? Like, yes. and, and they just designed it so thoughtfully that, you know, there's not only a table of contents, but there's also an index and just like 
I hope that it's a gift to yeah. people. And I've been hearing it's such a gift to hear other people say, like, I want to give this to other parents. I was just or, thinking, what a great yeah. gift for like new parents or yeah. even, you know, parents who are in those rough seasons of like, I just yes. feel like I don't know what I'm doing. It yes. is a great gift. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And so many people have been like, gosh, it's so great to have um, something to go back to and like take a picture of a certain prayer and be able to text it to someone when oh, they're going yeah. through you know a hard time or they're they're celebrating this milestone or whatever it is that there's like you don't have to just say like oh I'm I'm thinking of you or I'm praying for you but you can actually like show them like this is literally what I'm praying for you and maybe yes. it'll serve you too you know which is it's such a gift you know oh. like it's such a gift to me that I didn't even really think mm-hmm. of as I was working on this so and those are some of my favorite prayers when they're specific you know like it it still does mean something when someone's just like hey I'm praying for you but like when they are specifically telling me what they're praying over me it's so powerful right you lean into those prayers just as much I think it's so great so I'm excited I'm cheering you on sister I love it thank you so much for jumping on here with us I know a lot of people will come looking for you so (laughs) real quick on Instagram how can they how can they follow you yeah, you can find my like prayers, breath prayers, and, and other kind of short prayers and kind of modern liturgies at Liturgies for Parents. And then my personal account, and I share kind of my own journey of, you know, faith and parenting and culture and whatever other random things I'm thinking about at Kayla, K A Y L A underscore Craig. So I'm all around. We've got center. lots of ways to find you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so good. Please say hi. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I love connecting with people. That's why I'm here. It is so much fun. I love it. Kayla, thank yes. you so much. Thank you so much for having me.